Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. We're in this um, little series on Exodus where we're sort of tracking um, through the book of Exodus and just asking God what he wants us to show in it. Um, if you were uh, here last week, we, we looked at um, these moments of insecurity that Moses had. And we talked about the impact that insecurity has on our life. How many of you were here last week? Wave at me. If you were not here last week, I'm not certain that you'll get into heaven. <laughs> but I'm praying for you, so I hope something happens. Um, I'm joking, of course. But if you were not here last week, you can watch, you can pick up and watch out with us and watch online on our YouTube and, uh, and, and jump back in with us so you catch up. But we talked about the impact of insecurity, how all of us will experience insecurity at one time or another in our life. Um, and, and it will more often than not be something that will, will, will surface. Um, and we, we decide what impact the insecurity is going to have on our life. Um, and we talked about the fact that we all know that insecurity can have a negative impact on our life or um, based on our response to it, it can actually have a positive impact. And so if you want to, if you want to uh, pick up on that uh, message, you can, you can watch that online. Today, um, I'm, going to just, I'm going to share just a brief thought with you um, and, uh, and just look at this. And then what we're going to do at the end of the service um, we're going to do something that, that's incredibly special to us that we do this time of year every year is where we pray for all, it's what we call our back to school prayer service where we will pray for all those students that are going back to school um, all the way from our little ones going into you know, um, primary school, elementary school through to the secondary school or, or all the way through to those of you that are in college um, going back to college um, and also those that are in the education um, uh, field or sector, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, a counsellor, whatever it might be, um, if you are going into that um, sector, we want to pray for you. We really believe that God's hands upon your life um, for, for a reason and, uh, you know, something that we've been really um, uh, focusing on as a church has been the next generation, that we recognise that there is an assignment or a plan of the enemy uh, upon the next generation. Um, I believe the assignment it begins all of the, the way from, you know, babies in the womb all the way, all the way through to our college campuses. Um, and we make a decision as Christians whether we're going to complain about something or start to be a solution to it. And, and so we decided as a church that we're going we're gonna to start to be a solution. And, uh, and so we've been doing that through various different things that you'll hear more about, of course, our preschool being one of them. Um, that we now have, I believe, 90, we must be at 90, um, we have 90 students, not just over 90 students, ages two to five in our preschool, um, which is amazing. And so those students are learning God's word um, and, uh, and getting raised up to know the things of God. So, so we're going to finish the service today um, by, uh, by praying. So we'll uh, stay tuned for that. But open your Bibles to Exodus um, and I'm going to just, I'm not going to start from a particular verse. We're going to be all over it a little bit, but I'm going to give you a bit of a thought. But I want to identify a couple of the challenges that the Israelites had along this, this journey that they're on. And the reason why I want to draw our attention to them is because I think we can learn from them. I actually think that the Israelites 
um, sometimes get a bit of a bad rap. Um, and I think sometimes I look at this group of people somewhat judgmentally because, um, to be honest, they annoy me a little bit. <laughs> the reason why they annoy me is because I constantly see, despite the goodness of God, and the miracles that they see in their life, you constantly see them bickering, complaining, being ungrateful and being prideful. And, and so as Christians, in modern day Christians, we tend to look at them with these eyes of judgment um, and, and really sort of get a little annoyed or frustrated with them. And we separate ourselves um, from where they are and where we are. That's what I do at least. I think to myself, if I saw God split the ocean in two at the start of the journey, I think I would continue through that journey with a little bit of faith. Would you not? Like if, if I saw a dude come up to me and he has leprosy on his hand and he sticks his hand in his jacket, takes it out and does like a straight Houdini and his hand is healed, I think I would have a bit of faith. And that's why I get frustrated with them because they go from seeing the, 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 the ocean split in two to then all of a sudden the, the, the waters are bitter and they can't drink it and they're like, oh God, where are you? And I sort of want to slap him and be like, I mean, you idiot. Like, how dumb can you be and still breathe? You just saw, you just saw God split the ocean. What's wrong with you? Then they get hungry and they're like, where are you, God? We want to go back to Egypt. And I look, I'm like, back to Egypt? And we, we, we well, maybe you don't, but this is how I sort of view the story. And I see them as being there and me as being here. And that's not a great way to read Scripture. Because as I position myself at a distance to where they are and where I am, the further I am from the lessons that I could actually learn from the story. Because what I want us to do is I want us to view this story with a different perspective. I want us to look at the story and I want us to see that if these people were the people of God and they saw God do these miraculous things, but still the enemy was able to delay their journey. If he had that effect on them and they saw this crazy stuff happen, then maybe the enemy might be able to get me too. That as I look at the story and I think, you know what? If these people saw the ocean split in two and somehow the enemy was still able to discourage them and cause them to delay their journey to the promised land that was scheduled to take 11 days that ended up taking 40 years, then maybe there's something in this story that God doesn't want me to pull away from and judge, but rather lean into and learn. And that's how I want us to view it. So as we look at the story, we see 
These Israelites, and I want you to go with me for a couple minutes, these Israelites are making this journey and they're journeying from Egypt and we know Egypt as being a place of slavery. Egypt wasn't just a place of physical slavery for them, but it was also a place of mental slavery and spiritual slavery. That it was so restrictive to them that it actually only took them one day to get out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. That the, that the position that they had of, of slaves in Egypt under oppression had so reduced their level of thinking that they couldn't think beyond that. And therefore they delayed this journey that as we said, should have been 11 days, but took 40 years. And so they, they leave Egypt and I want you to see that the, the comparison and where the real battle began, because there wasn't so much of a battle, there was a battle to an extent in getting out of Egypt. But, but the bigger battle that they actually faced was, was not really getting out of Egypt. It actually began once they left Egypt. Because this is where the delay started to happen and this is where they start going in circles. And, and what I wanna talk about today is the battle in between. The battle in between. The battle in between where we've left and where we're going. Understand that many of us believe that God has called us to something greater than where we are. And we receive that in our lives and we get excited about that and we're passionate about that and we have faith to a point for it. But the battle more often than not is, is, is found in the in-between. This, this was where they struggled. And I wanna show you a couple of things that, that we find and a couple um, changes or shifts that God desires to make in our life in order to get us to where he's called us to go. And uh, there's a couple of things that I want you to write down and I'm gonna do it quick for sake of time. But I want you to see that in order for us to win the battle in between, the first thing that we have to do is we have to renew our thinking, renew my thinking. This was where there was a radical shift that needed to take place in the minds of the Israelites. It wasn't just what they thought, but it was the way they thought it. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 is a familiar verse that we know. And it says this, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Lean not on your own, understanding. We know the rest of the verse. Knowledge Him in all your ways will make your path straight. So the start of this verse, God is really telling us what to do and what not to do, right? You see that? He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is what I want you to do. What I don't want you to do is I don't want you to lean on your own understanding. And it's interesting because the two things are not directly in contrast to one another. 
that if they were directly in contrast to one another, it would, it would be, he would write it different. He would say, I want you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and I don't want you to trust in yourself with all your heart. But that's not what he says. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean upon your own understanding or don't lean upon your own thinking. And, and, and I looked at that verse and as I studied it and unpacked it, I began to ask the Lord, why did you word it like that? And I think part of the reason why he, he worded it like that is because I think he knew where our real temptation was going to lie. That more often than not, our temptation is not, or my temptation is not gonna lie in, in the place where I'm gonna choose to trust in myself with all of my heart instead of God. That's not, that's not my battle more often than not. Because, and I bet you're in a similar boat, for the most part, we do trust in God. The challenge for me is trusting in God with all my heart. That this is me. And then the second part of the challenge, and this is why this verse is so powerful, is, is my challenge is trusting in God with all of my heart. And then the second part of my challenge is leaning not on my own thinking. Because what I often do is I trust in God with a portion of my heart and I lean a little bit on my own thinking. And this is where this verse is so powerful and so practically applicable to our life because more often than not, I'm not gonna live in one of the two extremes. More often than not, God's gonna find me right there in the middle, just doing a little bit of both. And I dare say that's where you find yourself. It's not that you don't trust God. I mean, you're at church on Sunday. Dear Lord, you could be anywhere, but you're in church. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back and say, well done. You trust God, but it's trusting in God with all of your heart and then not leaning on your own understanding. And the reason why our own understanding is so detrimental to the purpose that God has for our life is God is about to do something in your life that makes no sense. That's why it's gonna be miraculous. Because if it made sense, you wouldn't need a supernatural God to do it. You could do it on your own. And you may as well be at the beach and not bothering yourself with church because you would be able to accomplish what is in your heart to do all by yourself. But we're here at church because we recognise that there's something in our spirit that God is calling us to that's not natural, but it's supernatural and it does not make sense in my thinking. That's why I cannot lean on it. I cannot lean on it. And that's my temptation. My temptation is not to put all of my faith in my thinking, but that's not what he's addressing. He doesn't accuse me of doing that. He doesn't say, Ben, he says, Ben, I didn't say that you're gonna put all your faith in your thinking. I said, be careful that you don't just lean on it a little bit. Because that's where we find ourselves living. We lean on our thinking and we trust in God. And then we wonder why we don't walk in the promise. 
So it, there has to be a renewing of my mind where there's a renovation of my thinking that produces a transformation in my life. Getting saved does not transform your life. I wish it did. It'd be so much easier, wouldn't it? Come down the front, pray a prayer, walk away different. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I still left screwed up. Because it's not praying a prayer, it doesn't transform my life. Praying a prayer and believing the blood of Jesus Christ, that saves me and establishes my eternity in heaven. But my life is only transformed when my mind is renewed. And getting saved is a moment, but mind renewal is a process. And I hate things that need a process. And so this is this invitation for us as people that are also on this journey into what God has for us is there's got to be this renewal of my thinking. It's this renewal of my thinking. The second thing that I want you to write down is is we see it in their first, their first challenge in the battle in between is when they come up against, against the, uh, the ocean and the Pharaoh and his men are bearing down upon him and these jokers are freaking out. Despite the things that they've seen God do, even at this point, and I know the ocean's big, I know it takes a lot of faith to believe, but they had just seen God do all of these amazing things in Egypt. But what happened, it says here, Exodus 14 and verse 10, and when Pharaoh drew near the children of Israel, look at this wording, lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Second thing I want you to write down is you've got to adjust your sight, adjust your sight. What they saw in the natural discouraged what they believed in their spirit. That's why we have to adjust our sight. Their response should have been based on what they had seen God do and what they had experienced God do in Egypt. Their response when they saw the Egyptians coming should have been, hey, God's about to do something. Oh no, it looks bad. But so did Egypt and God did something then. So God's about to do it now. But their inability to see in the Spirit allowed them to be fearful and drained their faith for what they were believing God could do. What do you see when you look at your life and your situation? What does what you see produce in your heart? Does it produce faith or fear? Because that's a good indicator as to what eyes you're looking through. Because if you're looking through the eyes of the natural, more often than not, it'll produce fear. But when I look through the eyes of the Spirit, it'll produce faith. And that's when you know you're on the right track. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, for we walk by it, what? That was horrible. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5 verse 7, we walk by what? Faith. Faith. Not by sight. Not by sight. 
Ephesians 1, 17 to 19, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge in Him. Verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. You wanna get hope in your spirit about what God's called you to. You have to allow the eyes of your spirit to be enlightened. That's the eyes of your understanding. It's not speaking of natural eyes and natural thinking. It's speaking of a spiritual perspective that you have over your situation and over your future where you see hope ahead of you. This is the transformation that's got to take place. In order for us to win the battle in between, there has to be an adjusting of my sight. Exodus 4 verse 8, then it will be, it says, if they do not believe you. Look at this, I want you, I want, I want you to see something here. Because I looked at this and I was like, I, I just, as I read it, I didn't understand what God was doing. This is, a, this is a, an account of early on when God is speaking to Moses. And he's telling Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the Israelites and... I want you to show them some cool stuff, do a couple of miracles and to, to, to you know, get them to believe you. And he says this, then it will be, verse 8, 4 verse 8, Exodus, then it will be if they do not believe you. This is God speaking to Moses. So show them this cool stuff. They don't believe you, nor listen to the message of the first sign that they may believe the message of the next sign. And it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. And where I was like struggling with this is like, this is God talking, right? And God's saying to Moses, listen, do this. And if they don't believe you, then try this. And then if they still don't believe you, try this. And if these, they still don't believe you, try this one. And, and, and I'm looking at the verse and, and I just, I said to God, I'm like, God, why don't you just make them believe him? <laughs> Do you ever get like frustrated with how God does stuff? I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, because where it didn't make sense to me is it, it says later on that, that God actually hardened the heart of Pharaoh. So God had the ability to transform hearts. So I was like, God, if you had the ability to transform their hearts, why didn't you just make them believe you? I feel like that's a great question. Like that's so much simpler, isn't it? What, God, if you got something for me, why don't you just make me believe it and then I can step into it? This is, this is what I asked him and I wrote down this. Because faith doesn't come by him forcing it. Faith comes by me hearing it. And in order for me to hear it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In order for me to hear it, I have to stay close. And, and when I stay close, my faith grows. And when my faith grows, my spiritual sight is activated. This is why God said to Joshua, when Joshua came to the walls of Jericho and Joshua was standing before the walls of Jericho and God says something extraordinary to him. 
And he says these specific words. It's in Joshua uh, chapter six, I think it is, in verse two or six or four. And God says to him, see, the word is S double see, I've given you the city. Now, if I'm Joshua at that point, I'm like, ah, uh, you haven't. That's his problem. That's his issue. That's the battle. And it was not one. He's standing there looking at the walls and God comes and says, see, I've given you this city. What is God trying to do for Joshua? He's trying to activate his spiritual eyes over his natural. And this takes faith to do it. And if we wanna step into what God has for us, we have to know what it is to adjust our sight and see things differently. And if you find that difficult and you're on that journey, that's okay. A great way to help you is surround people around you that see better in the Spirit than you do. Because sometimes people around you will see a victory when you don't. And if you don't have the faith, you can borrow it from them for a moment and they can help you like the man that needed help getting to the pool. And if you put the right people around you, their faith can help you for your breakthrough. You gotta, you gotta know what it is to adjust your sight and adjust the way in which we see things. Because you have to understand that what it is that God has for you is not understood through your natural eyes. That's why He tells us 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. Eye has not seen nor ears hurt, nor has entered into the hearts of men. These are all natural things. Eyes, ears, hearts. God says, oh, that's good and great. But I'm gonna do something that didn't even make sense to any of that. And I need you to have spiritual eyes to see it in order to walk in it. This is the battle in between. But as we grow our faith, we get clarity in the Spirit. And you start to see things more clearly. That's why it's so important for us to stay close. Because when I'm close, I hear better. And when I hear better, my faith grows. And when my faith grows, I see clearer. So what does He do? He'll allow circumstances to come into our life, not to make our life suck, but to give us an opportunity to grow our faith. Because faith only shows up when it's needed. And the problem is, is we wanna live lives that don't require faith. I wanna live a life that doesn't require faith sometimes. But if I live a life that doesn't require faith, I'm not gonna experience what God has for me. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. The last thing I want you to write down and then we're gonna pray. Are you still awake? I sort of believe you a little bit. The third thing I want you to write down is taken from that second part of that verse that we read, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. Verse 10, but God. So God is saying in verse 9, your eyes won't get it. 
All right, your natural eyes won't get it. Your natural ears won't get it. Your natural heart, you won't, you won't get it. So my thinking is, okay, what does get it? Right, what do I got to do? What are we talking about here? And he tells us, verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through what? Through His Spirit. For Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. The third thing I need you to write down is you've got to grow your spirit. Grow my spirit. There's a deeper work that God is doing and you'll miss it if your spirit's too small because He only gives us what we can handle. So if our spiritual capacity is limited, that revelation is limited. So I need to grow my spirit. This is why it's important for us to adjust our sight before we grow our spirit. Because a great way to live very frustrated in your Christian walk is to view a deep spiritual work through a natural lens. And and you can be looking at a deep spiritual work that God is actually trying to do in your life and not see it because you're looking at it through a natural lens. That's why it's important for us to recognise the work that God's trying to do to grow our spirit has had to be seen through spiritual eyes. So my spirit's got to grow. Do you know that you can grow your spirit? Scripture tells us, Colossians 1.10, talks about increasing in the knowledge of God, 1 Peter 2, verse 1 to 3. He says this, that you may grow. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. This is where you, you grow your spirit. These are opportunities to grow your spirit. That's what he's talking about. So when we get saved, our spirit man is is born, if you like. That's what it means to be born again. So my spirit man is alive when I get saved, but it's only activated when it grows. So I need to grow my spirit in order to be able to contain the work that God is trying to do in me and through me. The greater my spirit becomes, the more of God's plan is revealed. So then the question is, how do I grow my spirit? Right? Well, it's real simple. It's the same way when it comes to growing your physical body. How do you, how do you get healthy growth in your body? There are two things. You need food, right? And you need resistance. If you want to grow muscle, healthy growth in your body, you need to eat, right? Then you've got to put the calories to work. Okay, so your body to grow healthy growth needs food and it needs resistance. It's the same way with your spirit. If you want to grow spiritually and you want to get a deeper spirit so that you can experience everything that God has for you, you've got to grow your spirit. So you need spiritual food, which is things like the Word of God, Prayer, worship, gathering together, small groups, all of these things, these are spiritual food. But do you know what? That's not enough. Because the same way it is with your natural body. If you just eat and don't do any work, there's no resistance, what happens? You get fat. Not rocket science. And you know what happens? The same thing happens spiritually. 
that if you just eat spiritually, you get spiritually full and spiritually fat. But if you do nothing with it, the Pharisees knew God's Word. But if you don't put God's Word to work, you will never grow. So what happens is though, we just, we just wanna eat, 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 eat. And sing the song, go to service and do all the things and read. But then we have to understand, in order for it to be put to work, I've got to face resistance. No, no, one, no one goes to the gym and walks in and be like, oh my gosh, everything's so heavy. <laughs> That's the point, bro. But we do that spiritually. That every time something comes into our life that we don't like, and every time we face a problem, and every time we face a trial, we're running to church and hear me, I'm not trying to be insensitive to what people are going through, but you have to understand the deep work that God wants to do is not just send you running to church being like, Pastor, will you pray for me? Yes, I'll pray for you. But at the end, I'm gonna say, now it's time to put the work, the Word that you've sown into and start to declare that Word over your life and watch yourself grow. It, it, it's food and it's, and it's resistance. That's why James said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. For the testing of your faith develops endurance or perseverance, that it may finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. The interpretation of the tail end of that verse, it means to grow. To grow. You need the adversity. It sucks, but it's true. This is how we grow spiritually. And when you lean into the challenges of God to grow spiritually, that's where your breakthrough lies. Okay? And when you heed the Word of God in your life, because too often what happens is we keep facing the same problems in a different form, which is what was happening in the desert for the Israelites. And we come up against the problem and we're like, dear God, help me, dear God, help me. And He challenges us and says, change the way you think, change the way you see and grow your spirit. We're like, well, God, that sucks because I wanted you to change my situation. And then we bounce. It's true. And we roll out. And we won't go back to church for another month or two. But you know what? God is faithful in our life. And sometimes the faithfulness of God manifests in our life in a way that we don't want it to. Let me explain. Because when we roll out and we don't listen to His Word, do you know what He lets us do? By His faithfulness and His goodness. You know where He takes us then? And I know it sucks, but this is the way the faithfulness of God manifests in our life because He says, I love you too much not to keep bringing you back to where I had you before and give you the opportunity to grow and to change what's happening in your life because I want you stepping into the promise I have for you, but it's gonna take change that has to take place in you first. And too often, we live our Christian life like this. Oh God, you, oh no. 
God, I thank you. Oh, jeez, no. And you wonder why you don't grow. And you wonder why breakthrough seems this thing that's so far off. It does not have to be. 11 days is very different to 40 years. Change your thinking. Adjust your sight. Grow your spirit. And you'll experience more of God's goodness in your life than you can handle. And that's where you wanna be. Because that's the moment we're not just living a life blessed, we're living a life that's blessing others. It's the battle in between. And right across this room, I want us to do something. I want us to all stand to our feet and I'm gonna pray. God is about to do something. Tell me where He will word that. God wants to do something in your life that makes no sense. The greatest things that have happened in my life just made no sense. And there was no other way to explain it except by just saying it was just God. That's the journey that He has you on. And if you look at this story, all throughout this story, it actually says, God says, I'm doing this so that they will know that I'm their God. It actually says that, that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that he would know who God was. And God wants to do something in your life that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Because then when He does that, we cannot take any glory for ourselves, or we just give it all to Him. But in order, in order to experience it, I've got to die to myself and grow my spirit. That sucks, but it's worth it. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.